gospel according to Mark is a treatment of the life of Christ in a very brief, concised way in comparison to Matthew and Luke and John. Mark does a beautiful job in just summing up things and briefing things in such a way that we can vividly receive the message and it can help us to get a hold of of the action. It's like a movie a camera and like a picture show showing shots one after another in a very summarizing way. In the ninth chapter of the book of Mark, we have a, a great setting here. It is uh, <clears throat> treated in Matthew 17 and, and in Luke, the ninth chapter. But here Paul, uh, Mark gives a very brief summary. He says, said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them standing here who shall not taste of death, till they see the kingdom of God come with power. This is after he had asked uh, who he was and who they said people were saying that he was. And now that Peter made the great confession in a very brief way and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he blessed him, and then he told about his death. And Peter denied that that would happen, and he said, Get behind me, Satan. And this had to be. And then he said, You must leave your life and lose it if you're going to find it. And then is when he told them about the kingdom. This first verse is about the kingdom. He had been telling them about the, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He had been in, demonstrating that he was the Son of God. They had done many miracles, the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, the healing of the blind man. The many miracles that he had in the beginning of Mark it just demonstrates how that he's the Son of God. And yet they couldn't hear, they couldn't listen, they didn't understand, they didn't get the point. You know, a lot of time we tell our children, listen to me, you listen to me. If I have to come over there, you're going you're gonna to regret, you better listen to me. And we know what a difficult time we have of, of getting our children to listen to what we say. Well, God is, is, is telling us to listen, and he's done it over and over again. And we, like children, are sometimes not listening, not listening as we ought to. You know, we, we a lot of time, along with telling our children what to do, we, we need to let them know we love them. And, uh, a lot of time we can tell them we love them. And, you know, we had a family here came Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and the fellow was about 
40 or 50 years old at that time, but he said he was from Kentucky, and he, he got, he, we had singing that Wednesday night. And he told about, while he was commenting before he was singing some songs, that he went off from home early, didn't come back until in his 30s. And when he came back home, he, his dad hugged him and told him he loved him. It was the first time he had ever heard his dad say he loved him. He shared that with us. And we were talking about, you know, singing about songs of coming home and, and worshiping God. But you know, God has, has told us that he loves us too. In fact, uh, it, it takes us a long time to tell our children that we love them. A lot of times you can tell them, say, you know, I love you. I love you so much. And they can be doing other things, and you can uh, ask them what you said, and they can't repeat it a lot of times. But it needs to be taught, and it needs to be expressed in such a way that they know that we love them. Now, God has done the same thing. He's taught us that he loves us. He loves us so much. He loves us so much that he prepared humanity to receive his only son. And when he came in the same type of body that we have, we didn't recognize it. We wouldn't listen. Men wouldn't listen. He demonstrated that he was God many miracles before this ninth chapter, just over and over again. And they couldn't get it. Even the disciples that had, had been with him. And then it came the time he said, now, who do people say that I am? And he said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some you're one of the prophets, and and some John the Baptist raised from the dead, and, and some Elijah. And he said, well, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the, you're the Son of God. You're the Son of God. Well, that's not enough to get him to listen. He still needs to be. Look at this passage. After six days, Jesus take it with him, Peter and James and John. He's going to teach them the lesson again to listen and to hear. And lead them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shiny, exceedingly white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. No kind of ingredient that they've ever found can make it that way. And there appeared unto them Elijah, Elias. Elijah, Elias is, is the Hebrew Greek word just spelled out. But it's Elijah. And Moses, Moses is a prophet. And they were talking with Jesus. And, he, and you know, <clears throat> here is Peter here, and he sees this light around Jesus, and Jesus exceedingly 
bright. And then all of a sudden there appears Elijah and Moses. Now they were afraid. He didn't know what to say. We a lot of times want to know what to say and, and we just say things and and he 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 wanted to say something and when he started to say something there was a cloud that just overshadowed. And then there was a voice. A voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. And suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with them. Now, Luke and Matthew tells us what Peter said. He said, this is a great time. Let's listen to Moses. Let's listen to Elijah. Let's listen to you. Yeah, you're a great person. Let's build a tabernacle for each one. But God gave a great demonstration. A voice came from heaven out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Hear him. Hear him. Now this wasn't the only time this happened. At his baptism, when the Spirit descended upon him, and the prophet John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And when he said, I need to be baptized of you, not me to baptize you, and he said, I suffered so to be so. I want to fulfill all righteousness. And when he baptized him, God is going to say, Listen. Listen. Hear this one. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Now, a lot of things have transpired since that. Here's a time when he's been telling him he's going to die. Over and over he's been saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to go up to Jerusalem. And just before he had this demonstration on the Mount of Transfiguration, he said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'll be put to death. I'll be raised. Peter said, not so. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, just before that, there's not, the unseen world's not going to keep me, the Hadean world not keep me from building my church. He said, I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. But he wants us to listen. Now, Peter didn't understand it, but he's told to listen. And when the demonstration came upon the mountain. He says, hear him. You know, as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man was risen from the dead. He said, you don't have to tell anybody about this until I'm raised from the dead. And they kept that saying with them, questioning one another what the rising from the dead should mean. They didn't hear him when he said he was going to die and be raised. A lot of time we don't hear. We're like that. And they asked, saying, Why say the scribes and the, and the 
but Elijah must first come. And he answered and told him, Elijah, verily cometh first. And that was the one who baptized him. There are other scriptures that shows that John the Baptist was the Elijah that they were talking about coming. And restoreth all things. And how it is written, the Son of Man, that he must suffer many things and be set, set at naught. But I say unto you, this Elijah is indeed come. It's already come. And they have done unto him whatsoever they listed, as it is written. And he'd already given his life because he was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. Now, we need today to understand that Christ, according to Hebrews, the first chapter, is at the right hand of God. God, who at sundry times and in different manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath at the end of these days spoken unto us by his Son, by whom also he made the worlds, and by whom also he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had sat down and had purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that day on the Mount of Transfiguration that Luke records, Mark records, and Matthew records, Jesus didn't say anything. You don't find a thing that he said. And yet God says, hear him. Now how can we hear him now? We need to listen. How do we hear him? Well, Hebrews 1 said that he speaks to us through his Son. In the second chapter of Hebrews, he said, we ought to give the barnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away from them. The only the things spoken by Jesus at the first began to be spoken to us by Jesus and by them who heard him. And it was confirmed by signs and wonders and different miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. We ought to give the barnest heed to the things spoken of by the people back that prophesied of him. But now he says, listen to Jesus. It was first spoken by the Lord and was given unto us by them that heard him, by signs, by wonders, by divers miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So that's the way we <clears throat> listen today is to hear them, is hearing them. And when he, he speaks, how does he speak then? And when he got ready to leave this place, he said, I'm honest, when I, if I don't go back, the Holy Spirit won't come. In John's writings, he said in the 16th and 14th chapters, he said, when I ascend and I go, I'm going to send the Spirit of truth. He's going to guide you in all truth. He's going to bring to your remembrance the things which he have, uh, I've taught you. And he's going to show you things to come. That's the past, the present, and the future. He'll guide you into all truth. And that's the reason in John, the 15th chapter, he said, now, my word needs to abide in you. If my word abides in you and you abide in my word, then are you truly my disciples? 
And then he tells us that we will act accordingly. If we act that way, he said, this is the way people will know that you're my disciples. John 15, 34 and 35. Because the teaching that I give to you, it will bring love into your heart. And the love that you have for one another, the relationship that you have, he said, that's the way they'll know that you're my disciples. We need to listen. We need to listen. He, <clears throat> when he spoke through the apostles on the <clears throat> first day of, uh, day of Pentecost, the first time the gospel was preached, according to the scriptures that I've just given you, it had to be Jesus speaking. It was first spoken by the Lord, but it was confirmed unto us, but then the Holy Messiah born and died in earth, gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit poured out upon them that day. If he's going to speak through them, we need to listen. And he spoke, and, and, and they spake, Acts 2 and 4, as the Holy Spirit gave utterance. What did you say, Peter? I said this same Jesus, whom you crucified, had been made both Lord and Christ. And that he's been raised from the dead. Then when he spoke by, by, through the psalm, through David, when he's saying that he'd neither leave his soul in hell nor his body would see corruption, he wasn't speaking of David, he was speaking of Christ. And when he said he's going to have him to sit on David's throne, he wasn't speaking of David, his sepulchre's out here and he's still here. He was speaking of Christ. And he's at the right hand of God. And he shed forth this which you now see and hear. So we need to listen. We need to listen to him. And, and these people, they realized that they had not heard him, that they had not listened. But all the time, they were against him. All the time, they were trying to get in control. All the time, they were trying to kill him and to put him to death. And finally, when they didn't succeed, they succeeded in putting him death, but they didn't succeed in stopping his life. He's the prince of life. He was at the right hand of God. He gave forth his spirit and his teaching, and they taught it. And you know, it just spread. It spread in Jerusalem, and there were 3,000 souls that believed Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. They responded. And the next day, 5,000, besides women and children of that we don't know, that responded. And they grew, and a number of priests believed and turned. And yet, there were a lot of people not listening. There were a lot of people that wanted to put them to death. And they put old Stephen to death. They stoned him. And when they stoned him, the last thing he was saying is, listen. The last thing he said was a brief summary of all God's dealings with the, in the Old Testament. One of the most brief treatments of the Old Testament history is in Acts 7. And it was all 
Listen. And he said, you're like your father's. I don't think he had any evil or hate or animosity in his mind. And he said, you need to listen. But they rushed upon him and stoned him. And when they were stoning him and he was dying, he also reached out and and he was able to see and he saw standing at the right hand of God, he saw Jesus. And that sermon, the Mount of Transfiguration was, listen to my son. And that's what he did. He went down listening to it, but, but he, he said, receive my spirit. And the people who listen to Jesus are going to succeed. We could ask this question from all the themes of becoming a Christian, becoming a member of the body of Christ. Might say, well, how do you become a member of the body of Christ? Well, you just listen to Jesus and do what he said to be saved, and that'll make you a member of the church. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They said, what do we do? And they said, well, you know, surely Jesus is the Son of God. You just turn away from your sins, and you'll be baptized for remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord added to the church that day, such as were being saved, but Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Listen to Jesus. That was the last word he said to Mark. So they believed and were baptized, for they, they were saved. What happened to the saved? They were added to the church. You know, we need to listen to Jesus. And and there's no such thing as a denomination. It's just the church. It's just Jesus. It's just listening to him and his, his teachings. Being one. Being a part of that which he died for. Now, when we think of it, there was a survey that was made among the churches of Christ, young people. And the question was asked, uh, if you were talking to Jesus and, uh, and you had a conversation, what would he say? If you were listening to Jesus and uh, you were asking him how he felt about you, what would he say? And you know what they answered? The majority of the churches, young people, teenagers in the church of Christ said, he'd say, I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in you. Well, what an honest answer. But what do you think the church is doing if, if our teenagers are feeling guilty and are saying, Christ is disappointed with me. Maybe we've failed to get the fact that he died to save them and that he's there for them and that he will go the last mile to, to help them. There's something missing in our message. But another question was asked. 
if you were before God and before Christ, what would he express to you? Again, it was. How would he respond to you? And on this one is similar to the first one. They said, see, I'm mad at you. Not I'm disappointed, but I'm mad at you. Is that the message? Is that what we've been listening to God? We've just been listening to his message that he's going to punish us and that he's going to send us to hell and that's all we think about that, that he's just mad at us and he just, he just... Another question was asked and it was similar to this and they expressed that he, to them, he would be like... A, a policeman. He would be investigating. Hey, buddy. Started driving too fast, huh? Caught you. Is that the message that we have heard? When God sent his only son and shed his blood on the cross and said, I love you more than any other thing in all of the world. We haven't gotten that message. And he'll continue to love us. And if we will understand the message that he loved us, and he wants to save us, regardless of our not listening. And he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us. And he'll continue to help us. But old Satan doesn't turn loose of us. He's trying to deceive us into thinking that God is the monster that's disappointed. That he's the person who is mad at us. And that he'll give us a ticket. Yes, he'll do all of those things. Punishment and hell is prepared for those who do not listen. But there's a more glorious side to the gospel. Christ died for sinners. Great is the mystery of godliness manifested in the flesh. He was put to death in the spirit, by the spirit was raised, and now he's ascended at the right hand of God. And you know what? He's there for us. Please, each one turn to Hebrews, the ninth chapter. The 24th verse says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, 
which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself. Now, 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 to appear, to appear, to appear is present infinity. In the presence, in the presence of God, for us, you don't have to go down the third time in the water to drown. You don't have to succumb to Satan's satanic ways of evil and of disbelief. We just need to deliver ourselves to the Son who died for us and who is delivered to the right hand of God for us. And brethren, if we can go out with that gospel, we can be determined to share it with others who need salvation and who need Christ. That's the greatest thing in all of the world. We need to understand that we need to replace ourselves as many times as possible in the church with a person who believed this wonderful story. I want to ask you, do you really believe that Jesus is in the presence of God for us are you struggling with the message given to other people and you can't seem to share it with someone? All you have to do is to come before him. He's our high priest, Hebrews 4. Come before him and he'll give you grace and mercy in time of need. We need to reach out and to touch lives of people that are lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the ones that are lost. He's still seeking and saving the ones that are lost through the people who listen. Jesus is tenderly calling today. He's speaking. And he's asking every heart that's hardened by their own selfishness and by one's own thinking and by one's own egotism to surrender to him and let Christ flow through with the message of salvation. I don't know, are you saved? You know, it's a critical time when we think about the broken hearts right now. I think of the Cosby family. I think of the precious families that lost their loved ones that same day. Just as precious as they are. And of the little girl whose life was taken in Colorado. And the many other around the world. And all I can say is that sweet little, you know, John Benet is with Christ. You don't have to wonder. Children are, are safe. It's a tragedy that this thing happened. But you know, there are thousands of lost people. You think of the many things that will come good from Ennis Cosby's death because of the struggle he's had in his life. 
of overcoming dyslexia? How many, this foundation that will be set up, this is led by his best friend, will touch and help people. I've seen a lot of people disoriented and just absolutely failed in life because people couldn't help, didn't help them and didn't consider them. And that's well and good. But think about what we have. We have the gospel. We have salvation. We have that being in touch with Jesus who's at the presence of God for us right now. Far greater than this great, magnificent work, that bountiful work that could be done through remembrance of Ennis Crosby. And I hope it succeeds because many children need it. And how many will be blessed maybe because of the, of the insight we get from the abuse or whatever caused her death of John Benet. But we have a greater message. Jesus pleaded with people. God did to listen to him. And Jesus' message all the way through was just, man, listen. Now he's saying, I'm at the right hand of God, in the presence of God for you. He's for us. We can't fail. In Ephesians, the third chapter, he is able to do abundantly, exceeding abundantly of all that we ask or think. Listen to that. Ask or think. How many of us have even listened to ask and to think what God can do through us? Maybe listen. If you haven't believed and repented and been baptized, you're lost. You're not with Christ. Now, it's very simple to do that. The baptistry is ready. The clothing is ready. It's not that we can force you to. We can't. It just demonstrates the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and it's for the reason of sin, and it's to get into him to have that power of Christ. And a lot of people that do it quit listening. Why don't you come if you haven't been one with Christ? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And if you haven't been tapping the power that's in Christ, pray to God to help you to do it as we stand together and sing.